the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. So anyway, having the courage to handle change and embrace it and kind of judo it, you know, what I'm happy about is I used what happened with my old breakup and going to this new firm and I kind of took that energy and I just judoed it or used that energy into the direction that I wanted it to go. And that's been fabulous and it's been great. Run your law firm the right way. This is the Maximum Liar Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. Hey, Jimmy, what's going on, bud? Oh, Tyson, I'm real excited. We have a good friend of both of ours, someone who's helped both of us with our practice. We've learned a ton from. I was just telling my wife the other day about a time where I witnessed him preparing a plaintiff to testify for deposition and he was magical in what he was able to convey to the client about how to prepare properly and how to be ready for questions from the defense attorney. Our very own Gary Berger. Gary, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks a lot for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Gary, we wanted to have you on the show because you had sort of an interesting experience that some of our listeners might uh, relate to. You know, I think it'd be helpful if you told everyone a little bit about your prior practice and how you've transitioned over the last year and a half into being a solo attorney or your own firm. Sure, Jim. And yeah, you know, I know Tyson's uh, started somewhere and moved off and on his own. I know you've you've had a similar experience. I think a lot of lawyers do. I was at a firm for a litigation firm for seven years. I started my own practice with a partner who was there for 16 years. I've now had my own firm, a Burger Law burgerlaw.com for about a year and a half now. So yeah, so I had to kind of reinvent and restart my practice in my late 40s at uh, about a year and a half ago. And it wasn't like I had planned for years to to separate and start my own practice. I've been a lawyer for 25 years now. And the breakup was a little bit of a surprise. And certainly the timing was. So I had to kind of come out and reinvent a lot of marketing. And I happen to be a personal injury plaintiff's lawyer, and it's a highly competitive area in terms of marketing, I think, in most areas in the country. So I had to really retool myself. And I remember having a lunch with you, Jim, and you looked at me and you said, how many marketing books have you read? And I thought for a minute and I said, man, zero. And despite the fact of having marketed my practice in the plaintiff's practice for 15 plus years, going from 
the old yellow pages we did, and then we had our website, and then we SEO'd our website, and then, I mean, I've been taken by more marketing vultures than you can count. So, and I know you two guys know a little bit of the story because you've kind of been my gurus a little bit in the marketing area. So that's kind of a 10,000 feet view of what I went through. Gary, what would you say is the most important tool you've used in growing your contact list and, and getting new clients? Frankly, doing it, Tyson. You know, there's a lot of marketing material out there, but I find that you have to do it and take action. And one of the things that I did in my old business was I hired other people to do it. And I didn't surrender to the idea of I got to sit down and put, you know, my seat on a seat and do it myself. And until you own it and do it and surrender to that, I paid SEO guys to write stuff for my site. I hired an in-house marketing person for two years that was ineffective. Not her fault. It was just, it, she was a great girl. But And then I kind of had a list. It was hodgepodge. And I never went through it. And we'd send out Christmas cards and we'd get back the rejects. And that's how we knew the addresses were changed. So I never did that. When I sat and kind of read some books and learned how to do it, I sat down I spent many, many nights in the beginning of my practice going through these lists and winnowing out people that I didn't know or wasn't connected with and trying to hone my list before I started marketing to it. And then I started marketing to it and and I made mistakes, but I learned from those mistakes. That's the only way I learn is sitting down doing it and figuring out what I did wrong and then trying to make it tighter and make it more effective. Well, that's so great because I think that sort of two points that you raised. One is that I think you can't outsource your own voice. And I, you and I have talked about this, how, you know, there's certain things that only Gary Berger can say and stories that only you can tell. And I think that it'd be helpful if you could talk a little bit about sort of how your messaging, your weekly email that you send has changed over time. I got an email on Monday back from a news blast that I sent from a lawyer I've never heard of just saying, Gary, you don't know me, but I just wanted to thank you. This is the only email I read. You write it really well, and I can tell just from very nice stuff. And I get that. So what I do is rather than having another person write it or hiring someone to write it, I just write it myself. I sit down and I pick out ideas that are in the news. I try to do things that I'm interested in. I combine personal stories with legal stories. As lawyers, we all get these mass emails about here's the 20 greatest cases our firm just settled or here's the 20 Supreme Court cases or here's the blah, blah, blah. And you don't read them because, you know, we're inundated with that stuff. If I want to sit down and research stuff, I do. But I think writing in your own voice, being yourself, I had an old website for a decade and then I have a new website now with my own stuff and I'm proud to say I've written everything on there and I have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages. I have 350 blogs in the last year and a half. So I'm just putting out a lot of content. So that's just part of my job. You know, as lawyers, we sit, we come out of law school, we think we're in some ivory tower and we don't have to go out and solicit, go in and get clients as beneath us and stuff. Or there can be a little bit of that attitude. I'm not saying everybody's like that, but I certainly had some of that. But just kind of going out and saying, hey, I'm going to go put myself out there. I'm going to get rid of my introvertedness, and I'm going to put myself out there and just you know, see what people think of what I think. And we're all the same as humans, so as you get older, you figure that out. And so what you have to say ends up resonating with people. Hey, Gary, so I know you've produced a ton of content over the last year, over the last two years, really. I think a lot of times people have problems actually sitting down. I know you said that just sitting down is 
part of the, the process of just getting down and actually doing the work. But is there anything else you do that can help you get all that content done faster? Because I know that a lot of the listeners have that problem where actually getting that much content produced and out the door. I mean, do you have any tips on how they can do that? Yeah, I do. One of the things you want to do is you want to set up a system to do it. And you guys have taught me that. And whether you're doing video content or just on just written content, you want to set up your system. So when you do it, who's going to type it? How are you going to edit it? Where, who's it going to go through? And my system has changed. So even whenever you set up a system, you always got to tweak it and look at it and modify it and get it responsive. And And one of the things I've learned in managing is not being afraid to look back and tweak and, and do your system. So getting your system, if it's a video, where are you going to video? Who's going to edit it? Who's going to transcribe it? Who's going to put it on YouTube? Who's going to put it up on your video, on your WordPress your, your WordPress site, if that's what you're using, and how you're going to do that? Do you transcribe it? There are great sources like Fiverr or Upwork.com where you can get people to do some of this work pretty cheaply. And, and when you look at that... Look at the people who are well-rated and have like 150 ratings or some high number of ratings. You don't want a newbie on those sites, but you can find people to do that. Put it up on Dropbox. Set up a Google Drive system to share content outside to people. You can't do it all. If you're going to practice law, manage a law firm and market a law firm, you have to pay some money, and, and you don't have to pay a lot. You can do it on the cheap, but you need to pay some people to, to and create a system to put your content out there. And that way, you're done with that system. And then in terms of getting the content up, I think to answer the back half of your question, Tyson, is do it regularly. Do you do it on Friday afternoons? Do you do it on Monday nights? Sit down and do it. Figure it out. Let ideas percolate. Keep a sheet. Keep a notepad. Here's the 20 questions the clients have asked me in the last two weeks. I'm going to do a video on I'm going to answer each one of those questions. I've seen you do that, Tyson, and I've seen you do that well Jim, because when people are looking for questions, the questions your clients are asking you is the questions that everybody has. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Now, Gary, what do you wish you knew in those weeks before your firm broke up? Like, as you're going to transition from being a partner to being on your own with your team, what advice would you have for people that are sort of in that spot that are thinking about going out on their own or thinking about something breaking up and them sort of having to start from scratch? What tips would you have for people? That's a great question. And I guess the top number one thing is it's going to be okay. Relax. Every time I've made a change in my career, when the dust has settled and I've chilled out about it, my only question has been, why didn't I do it two years earlier? So it's highly stressful because we take this serious. We don't want to fail. We all we set, we just we we put a gilded cage around ourselves and our lives, and we need a certain level of income. And now on the you know on the other hand, you know having that stress makes you work your butt off. So that was great for me to do. But just kind of having that serenity and that you know that you can control what you can control. You can't control what you can't control. So don't worry about that. And the things you can control, working hard putting things in place, that kind of stuff. But also having that trust that if I market myself well, if I work my cases, if I do the things that, I'm, that I need to do and I actually do them rather than just stressing about them, that you're going to have a successful practice. You're going to have clients. You're going to have the clients you want. You're going to have the practice that you want. You're going to have the income that you want. And you're going to be able to then move off into the other aspects of your life, like your family and your hobbies and stuff. Gary, I'm going to try not to reveal my opinion in this question, but you and your former partner took 
basically opposite approaches on attacking marketing once you all split. Um, can you talk about the perspective of really what approaches each of you took and how they're different? Yeah, and I think it's something that you, when you start reading the literature and learning about marketing is, you know, certainly he'll do a lot of TV and billboards and that kind of stuff. And those certainly have their place in marketing. But until you hone down on what works and what doesn't work in marketing, until you figure that out yourself and for your practice, until you figure out what your message is, until you track your leads, until you have a good system to handle your leads and how you get your cases. Until you do that, you're really not ready to go to radio and TV and other things. Now, I do know other lawyers who, and I look at it from the outside, who do do those things and seem to have a good system for handling those cases. But until you're ready to do that, you're you're wasting money. One of the things I think we share a similar marketing is, is having the most effective marketing dollar and being able to do the most with it and not wasting money. I can't stand to waste money. And then not knowing, I think Jim said in one of the presentations, Jim said that he did in one of the CLEs I ran was, if I don't understand it, I don't want to do it. And, and really understanding what you're doing. I spent so many years, one of the things I'm proud of is that now I get it. And I spent a lot of time throwing money at this SEO guy, this marketing person, all these marketing people come in and now tell me about your business. And I'm like, well, if you haven't, you don't know anything about my business, why am I paying you money to tell me what to do? And everybody's, the message is the same. So there's, that's a little bit of a general way about how those are different. I don't know if I answered your question, Tyson. No, you did, yeah. Gary, talk to me about your connections with other lawyers in the city of St. Louis. I think you're very highly regarded, and I know that a lot of your practice comes from referrals from other attorneys and from past clients. So sort of do you have any tips for our listeners on those kinds of issues? Absolutely. So I spent a lot of my career just litigating trying cases and spending time in depots and stuff. And one of the things that I, as when I pulled my head up and kind of looked around and got the higher view you kind of realize like, hey, man, I know what I'm doing. and I'm pretty good at this. And uh, you mentioned me, you watched me prep a depot and kind of turn a case around. And that's what I'm good at, you know, and we all have our good talents. But I kind of, it fits my skill set, what I do. And as I get older, I appreciate what I do. So, and then I turn around, I realize that I also know a lot of lawyers. And about seven or eight years ago, I started connecting with them because I can be a little bit of an introvert. I, I'd rather come home and read a book hang out with my family. But I kind of put myself out there and make myself go out and connect with people and just talk about life and share my experience with people. I give a lot of free advice. I I try to help young lawyers, try to teach them what to do. Here, you want this depot? Here's what I would do in this case. Let me do this. So I started reaching out on a personal level to many other lawyers. And I'm on different boards you know, of different organizations. I, I try to do the all cheese, no whiskers approach to that because it's building relationships and connecting with people. And then when that person has a huge, you know, trucking case or a big med mal case or a product case or an idea for a class action, and they know someone who's a good, hardworking lawyer that's going to work that case and treat them fair that they can trust. They come to me and they give me the case and I work with them and they work with me and they learn a lot and they know, and it's a lot of times it's a handshake and they know that I'm always going to write them a big check at the end of the case. So that's kind of been it. It's it's not that complicated. And, you know, other lawyers, you know, it's making yourself do it. You know, I have on my phone, I have a lunch list 
and I and I have a list of people that because I'll forget about here's the people that I really like, I enjoy hanging out with, and I call them up and I have lunch with them, and I don't ask them for business because but I, but I just kind of talk about life and practice, and they'll shoot a couple cases, and I'll give them my ideas, and then I'll ask them, and we'll get ideas, and but you got to do it, you got to make yourself do it. And Gary, so people that aren't familiar with the whiskers and cheese, uh, what you're talking about is it's from I Love Marketing. You you want to give. And you don't really want, for example, if you are selling to a client, you want to provide value to them. And the more value you provide to them, that's the cheese. And you want less of the salesy stuff like, hey, call me right now, that kind of stuff. With regards to you, you are a very generous person. Um, you are a great guy. You give, 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 give. And I think that's what you mean by you are more cheeseless whiskers. I've never felt that approach with you where you're like, oh, my gosh, give me a case, give me a case, give me a case. You're always about giving. So I think uh, I think a lot of people appreciate that about you, and I, w- I want to thank you for that. I do want to ask you this a little more difficult of a question. What is the most difficult thing that you've gone through since you've started your new practice? Well, it's certainly the stress of having a – breaking up is hard to do, right? There's a song about oh. that. So that's hard. That's stressful. Well, first of all, thanks for the compliment. You know, the more you give, the more you get in life. And But just – so going through that stress was the hardest thing. But one of the things that is hard for people to do is change in life. And whether it's changing your marketing, changing how you do business and doing all these things, people get entrenched and they kind of do it and they're afraid to change. I know so many lawyers who I'm friends with that people are, I don't want to go out on my own or I don't want to do this or I don't know how to do that. But you got to embrace change. You know, if you're not change, you, you always change. You always try to improve yourself. And especially when you get, like, I'm an older dude now. I don't feel it, but, you know, I turned 50 last year. So it's confronting that fear of change. And we all have fear. The question is, do you have the courage to handle it? So anyway, having the courage to handle change and embrace it and kind of judo it, you know, or to use the own, what I ended, what I'm happy about is I used what happened with my old breakup and going to this new firm, and I kind of took that energy and I just judoed it or used that energy into the direction that I wanted it to go, and that's been fabulous and it's been great, and it's just reaffirming that lesson of uh, embrace change. As you know, the great rock group Rush said, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Gary, are you having fun? I'm having so much fun now. Now, you know, going through it, setting it up, I put a lot of pressure on myself. But yeah, I'm having a blast. I love my marketing. I really enjoy it. I, tracking where my case is from is not a chore. It's not a, oh, where did that come from? No one told me, blah, blah. It's fun. I'm like, oh, where is this going? How's this doing? And I'm always changing and doing stuff and trying to tweak things. And, and I don't stress about, um, I do a little bit, but I don't stress about making, guys, I don't know about you, and I'm interested in what you guys have to say, but I don't stress about making mistakes anymore because I, I know I'm going to, and then I'm going to learn from them. And as long as I'm doing things conscientiously, best decision with the best information I have, and being as efficacious and not wasting money, I don't kick myself like I used to. I don't know about you guys. What, what's your experience in that? I think I'm a little tough on myself at times, but I'm kind of like you. Over time, I've, I've begun to relax about it. I don't take work home with me as much as I used to. I I had a, actually had a conversation with someone two nights ago about this where we were talking about that he, he went from private practice into working for the government and he was talking about how relaxing it is getting off at 5 o'clock. And I told him, I like, you know, I used to be, I used to take it home with me. I used to work at home. I used to sleep and dream about it. 
Um, I don't stress about it as much. I do take work home and do work from home, but it's usually the stuff I take home is usually stuff that's either really urgent that I've got to do for the next day, or it's usually marketing stuff that I really enjoy doing. So I'm with you. A lot of times the way I tell myself to relieve my stress is, listen, it's all going to work out, kind of like what you were saying. It's, it's, it's all going to be fine in the end. No big deal. So I'm with you. I don't know about you, Jimmy. Yeah, for me, you know, we're sort of in uncharted territory from an immigration standpoint, and things are in flux and very strange and unusual. And I have a lot of clients that come see me, and, you know, obviously I don't have all the answers. And, and the one thing that I always fall back on that I, you know, like you said, Gary, you get out there all the information that you possibly can, and you make the best decision that you can. The thing that I come back to is, what is the next right thing? And that's really been a sort of mantra for me is, what's the next right thing? What's, what can I do to move the ball forward a little bit and, and let the chips fall where they may? Thanks, guys. Good points. All right, Gary. Well, I do have a question for you. Uh, I know we're running short on time, but what is the biggest piece of advice you would give someone that is splitting up from their partner? Sit down and write down your marketing plan. Read some marketing books. There's a lot of good stuff out there. See what resonates with you and sit down and form a plan and execute it and just take step and step at a time. I don't know if you guys ever watched that movie, What About Bob, the old Bill Murray movie. My wife and I watched it the other night, but the psychiatrist was writing a book called Baby Steps in that movie. And it's like the other phrase, the journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. So just take the steps and it doesn't have to be perfect. and doesn't have to be a 10-year marketing plan. Set out your year marketing plan, figure out some concrete things you're going to do and implement them and start implementing them daily or weekly and just do it. And then set up your other systems. What, you know, in terms of the basics, where's, what kind of website are you going to do? How are you going to get clients? How are you going to hire your support staff? Are you going to use Google or, you know, Microsoft 365? Just just set these things up and just go with them. And certainly don't paralyze yourself with uh, indecision. Just move it and just keep trucking and, and just keep going. And then just be vigilant about if you need to change that stuff. And don't worry about it. And, and, and have as much serenity as you can. Sorry. Go ahead, Tyson. No, I'm sorry. I thought you were done talking. I apologize. I was going to jump in there because I was actually going to go ahead and give my tip of the week because my tip of the week actually goes right in line with what you're talking about. All right, so my tip of the week is actually it's the best self-journal, best self-journal. And it, it kind of falls in line with goal setting, and it actually it does kind of. It does fall in line with goal setting, and it goes along with the 12-week year. And what you're talking about, Gary, is setting setting down those goals, those, those yearly goals, those 10-year goals, and then those daily goals, getting those tasks done. This is more for the 12 weeks. You break your goals down into the 12 weeks, and then it's got daily tasks for you, and you actually mark out your day. So the night before, you plan out your day every minute. They say to fill up every piece of white space you can, and then you also set up your goal for the day, your, your targets for the day, the lessons you learned, and the things you're grateful for. It is a fantastic planning journal. So it's something I'd seen online and I had not purchased it. It's something I had thought about getting for a few months. And then a friend of mine, Chris Finney, got it and showed it to me. And I really like it. So uh, best self-journal is my tip of the week. Jimmy? So mine is, is not as lofty as yours, but it's something that I've been playing around with. So I'm reading a great book that I'm going to talk about on a future hack. But one of the things that it uh, mentioned in there was a a Google map and an Apple map alternative called Waze. Do we, either of you guys use Waze, W-A-Z-E? Yeah, I used nope. to use Waze. I stopped using it, but um, yeah, I've used it before. I've been real happy with it. it. What it does is it uses sort of the other user's 
on the uh, on their cell phone the information it's gathering from them about where traffic is backed up and it's i think it's a more fluid and better routing system than google maps so i've been real happy with that perfect as well as ones where whenever i used it the, i don't think the app was developed very well at the time it hadn't gotten some of the kinks out and i don't think there were there were as many users so i didn't like it as much but i, I i've heard really good things about it uh hey, gary what do you got for us Hey, Jim, it sounds like Tyson doesn't like your, your tip. <laughs> Not the first time. <laughs> my, my, my tip is something that echoed just what Tyson said earlier, and I was thinking about this, and I told this to a, I had lunch with a lawyer yesterday who complained that he works too late, and that my tip is go home and be with your family at 5.30, and, and then after the kids are in bed or whatever, work from uh, 9 to 11 or 10 to midnight or something. I do this. It relaxes me. I sleep like a rock because I don't have any lists crawling around in my head. Tyson mentioned that earlier. It's not that I stress about work, but I bring work home, and then if I'm in the mood, I get up and do it, and I love it. So I'm home with my family but I feel that I sit and I get work done that I can't concentrate on when the phones are ringing all day and that I can plan my day and think about things too. So that's my tip. All right, everybody. Well, that will wrap up this week's show. Gary, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Tyson, for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks, Gary. You've been great. Uh, no talk to you all next guy. week. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your host and to access more content, go to MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.